all have dreams, big and small, that create a life in our minds different than our reality. All the while, we watch others seemingly make it happen. I'm Rachel Denson, a farm girl turned mortgage guru, moonlighting as your self-help cheerleader. Together, we'll pull back the curtain with intentional conversations and discover how you get there. Hey everybody, welcome to How You Get There. Do any of y'all have a past romance gone wrong that was awful itself, yet the person and the choices you made in that relationship serendipitously connected you with people who directly changed your life for the better? Well, mine brought me Stevie Nicks, not the singer, the cat, but my guest Michaela's story is one for the books. Her bad romance led her to a cross-country move and ended with her feeling as if she'd lost herself along the way. But now she's on the other side with a career she loves and a village of friends who've turned into her family. She's here to tell her story and then join me for reflections centered around the silver linings of all romances gone wrong. Michaela, welcome to How You Get There. Hi, everyone. Rachel, thanks so much for having me. You're so this welcome. story is a complete roller coaster, but I really wouldn't have it any other way. Before I dive into the nitty and gritty, I want to give you all a little bit of background context on me. And I'm also going to spoil the ending just for all the people who don't stick around for the end of the story because it is, you know, kind of a happy ending and it's just a crazy roadmap of getting there. Yeah, the story starts um, June of 2020, but there's a major turning point in. June of 2022, and that's, you know, almost a year and a half ago. I'm going to spare the details for later, but this is when I was really given a fresh start. I got out of my toxic relationship. I quit my job. I got a new job in real estate full-time. I moved, bought a car, and I just found a sphere of people around me, friends and coworkers within my brokerage who have been right by my side through this healing journey over the past year and a half. For myself, I really had to like find my purpose and get to know myself all over again after this relationship gone bad. That wasn't easy, but I've definitely come a long way. I'm happy and I'm healthy and I've a successful career today that I absolutely love and will hopefully do for the rest of my life. And <laughs> I feel like a lot of 21 year olds can say that. So I'm really extremely blessed and thankful for that. I'm in a happy relationship today with a guy who is, for lack of a better word, perfect for me. (laughs) And so that's great. And yeah, that sphere of people I now consider family, and I know I could call them day or night, real estate related or not, and they'd have my back. So that is just, you know, the major things that have kept me here and started to make this place feel more like home. I love that. home. I love that. Well, but how you got there is pretty, pretty wild. And how we ended up being here was because I just casually was like, so how'd you get to Paducah from California? And you said, well, (laughs) this is the story. It was like five seconds. And I was like, oh my gosh. You've got to talk about this with me on the podcast <laughs> because I did see Michaela thriving. We were at an open house that she was hosting. I was co-hosting with her. So I obviously saw this successful young woman knew what she wanted out of life, you know, 
doing doing the thing and to hear all of what she went through was really inspiring and also just pretty freaking crazy about just how her bravery through it all too that despite maybe some questionable choices that we reflect back on nonetheless all of it took guts and that is what i talk about a lot on here is just a lot of things start with just courage so Michaela, will you take us back to 2020 and tell us what was going on in your life when you had just graduated high school and? <laughs> yeah. So short disclosure, this is just going to be a summary of what happened. It's only my side and perspective. Other people might remember it differently and that's okay. I'm not going to speak bad about anybody with ill intentions. It's, sure. You know, me and the ex who's involved in this story, we just really brought out the worst in each other. I, you know, that's the honest, the straightforward opinion. <laughs> but a relationship takes two, so I don't blame him for the outcome at all. There's a thousand percent things that I would have done differently and a lot of things that I'm not proud of, but I really don't regret any bit of it because I've learned so much and it's made me a better person today. But I was born and raised in Southern California on an Air Force base, so very structured. Um, I was very much the good kid in the family, good grades, very involved. And mm -hmm. I always dreamed of like the true college experience. So in June of 2020, I graduated high school, turned 18, and was getting ready to move to Boulder, Colorado for college. Uh, but over the summer, you know, this is COVID time. So I'm just hanging out with a few friends and we're having a girl's day and I decide to download Tinder <laughs> just for fun, was not looking for a serious relationship or anything like that. And I probably got 10 swipes in and I matched with my now ex. <laughs> Little did you know then what, what 10 swipes in we're going to get you into. I love it. Yes. And so after that, I really put the app away, did not pick it up again until in August, I moved to Boulder um, in a room with a bunch of girls who are strangers and they get on Tinder and they're, you know, looking at who's, who's around this college Checking campus. out to the newbies <laughs> of their um, distant <laughs> sphere. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have that app. So I go on it and... I see a message from two months ago from X and he says, sup, S-U-P. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my gosh, if that is not an initial red flag, I don't know what it is. You know, not a lot has changed even since like 2009 when people were first just getting on Facebook. I love that some things have stayed, like we've made so much progress yet the initial intros are not getting any more eloquent. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that just shows like the lack of effort from the beginning. It's a summary. <laughs> we just start conversating, you know, over socials. Sure. Um, I'm living the very typical college freshman experience. Yeah. Like I said, very structured military brat. So I took <laughs> the freedom that I had in college, you know, states away and I ran with it. And he very much saw that over social media. Sure. So December, I go back home to California where I originally matched with him because mm -hmm. he, he was stationed there. He, he was in the Air Force because um, I grew up on that Air Force base. 
but we met and we were just getting to know each other and <laughs> you know I just you know started to develop this crush for him and he he was not about it at first he was very low commitment uh-huh. and the next month rolls around January and I I pulled the you know what are we conversation and we decide to make it official and I go back to Boulder Colorado and a serious committed relationship mind you over the past few months there's been a lot of initial red flags this is not you know a healthy relationship to start with (laughs) okay so February comes around I have only been in Boulder for about two weeks and Mm -hmm. we're fighting off the charts we're on the phone with each other yes on the phone with each other 20 hours a day. I'm not partying. I'm not doing any of the social things that I did the previous semester um, because of this relationship. You were literally like you told me offline, like you would fall asleep on the phone. Yes. I would fall asleep on the phone with him and wake up the next morning and still be on the phone with him. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Crazy, crazy. And then you were on the phone in class too. Yes, because all of our classes were virtual. Um, we didn't, we weren't having them for classes I at forgot. the time. God, yes, because it's still pandemic. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, yeah so I'd put my laptop here, and he'd be on the phone right Just there. Just like and- painting the picture. Literally, you're not exaggerating when you say you were on the phone with him constantly. Correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah so we we were fighting because of course you spend that much time around someone you're gonna fight um this was more than it should have been (laughs) but um we blamed it on the distance and the separation so Mm -hmm. for valentine's day he buys me this flight back to california and Mm -hmm. i'm there for like five days don't even see my parents and (laughs) we fight when i'm there and so it's clearly not a separation issue we're just bad for each other right right (laughs) go back to boulder Mm -hmm. march march comes we're fighting because of the separation and he comes he comes to boulder and for a few days and then again we fight so there's an underlying issue (laughs) yeah and so we're just kind of going through spring. My parents become fully unsupportive of this relationship. And mind you, they're kind of funding me through college. So we come up with this plan that he's, you know, getting out of the Air Force and he wants to go home for the summer. And he's like, oh, you should, you should come with me. And I'm like, okay. And then we're going to go back to Boulder after, you know, he's going to move to Boulder, Colorado. I even start you know, looking at houses with friends. And as my parents grew more and more unsupportive, I mm-hmm. kind of just lost a little bit of respect for them through all the arguments. And I really didn't want to be attached to them too much longer. I decided, you know, I'm not going back to Boulder <laughs> the next semester. Because you're not going to your financial ties for education broke. Mm-hmm. So you just decide you're going to let go of of that anyways. Got it. So we decide that, you know, going to Kentucky is going to be more of a permanent move. 
So I, at the end of the semester, I get myself back to California and we pack up and drive for four days to Baker, Kentucky. <laughs> no plan, no, no jobs, nowhere to live, nothing. Did you know where like Kentucky was on the map of the United States? She's shaking her head no for our podcast listeners. I, it's like if I were from California, I mean, I can see like, why would you need to know where Kentucky is? It's just like yeah. somewhere over there. You know? I I had a friend in college who, who was from Kentucky. And so we actually had a really funny conversation about it with him on the phone next to me because he was always on the phone. Oh, always, always like that Monsters Inc., you know, that lady always watching. (laughs) Yeah, and I was sitting there, I was like, I don't even know what Kentucky is, I don't know where Kentucky is, and he took it to heart, and he was like, I don't think you should move, and eventually he, you know, got over it, but. So you drive four days to Kentucky, no plan. No, no living, no job. Nope. And my parents and my family, you know, were really shocked because essentially I was throwing away everything I ever wanted. The only thing I ever wanted since I was a little girl was to go have this amazing, amazing college experience. This boy comes along and all of that changes. So yeah, they're, they're concerned and they're worried, but I'm just like, you know, I don't really care. It's my life. I'm going to go and do what I want. (laughs) Not to mention my grades were awful at the time in college. So, yeah, we get to Kentucky in, that's early May. In June, we find, we're just bouncing between his family. We find an apartment in Paducah. I find a job in Lone Oak. And immediately, I'm working like 50 to 70 hours a week because the other girl, who is supposed to be like my co-worker <laughs> but that was okay I was fine working because I didn't have anything better to do I didn't have friends I didn't know anyone the closest person I knew was in North Carolina so that was fine Wow. <laughs> yeah and he's not working so when I'm not working it's just us two spending all of our time together you know going to in your apartment of- yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not doing anything, not exploring all the great things of Kentucky. Like, you know, we probably should be. What was the sell on the plan is not, is already not being executed. Yes. Because he told me, you know, if you move with me here, you're going to be everything to me. Like I'm going to be the best boyfriend. We're going to have a great life. I know, you know, absolutely nothing about Kentucky, but there's so many great things that we're going to go and do not happening. So no. Okay. That fall was really rough, but I, I made a close friend at the spa and she's sure. now my best friend, consider her my sister. And I just kind of confided with her as much as I could because I wasn't telling any of my family what was going on. I did not want to tell them that this was going so bad. I just couldn't face them. And I didn't really want to hear, I told you so. And I didn't want to hear them tell me to move back home or something like that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, this was hard because when I moved to Kentucky, that like that's when I needed him most. You put all your chips in one basket, mm-hmm. and it was not going like you had thought. And it wasn't just like a little bit, and it wasn't just for a little bit. I mean, this went on, you know, almost the, for the rest of the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he just 
went into this downward spiral of just like depression and anxiety and you know how much can he really give me if he's not you know doing great himself so I can even get the bare minimum of what I needed you know he wasn't helping around the apartment things weren't like financially very fair and he just wasn't treating me well like that he never once checked in like how is this transition going for you are you homesick? Like, are you doing okay? Never, not once did we have that conversation. So at that point, the, I just wanted some like respect and appreciation. Sure. So I was, you know, slowly, slowly detaching. Yeah. And this is when you're starting and we're like in January of 22 now, and you're starting to mill on the idea of like, I don't want to work at this spa indefinitely. So what about like real estate? And you had liked real estate in California, right? Like that was something a little bit on your radar. Yeah. It's always just been something that I've kept up with. Like I always liked HGTV and house hunters and all that stuff that are totally not the real deal, but it at least interests me. Um, So in January, I buy my pre-licensing courses for real estate. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a plan with it. I just kind of pulled the trigger randomly. Sure. And then the next month is when we kind of broke up (laughs) and I had already decided mentally that it was over, but this is just, there was a big argument and I found an opportunity to say it and I did. Yeah. I'm reading your notes. I'm going to spoil it for her because I just cannot believe here we go again with fricking Tinder. It says day after we broke up, he downloaded Tinder. Like I love that like Tinder makes a comeback in this story, not in necessarily a great way, but it's like, here we are again with the online dating apps. And this is so Western Kentucky for you. Cause your note also says the same day your friend saw him. I'm like, that's where, I mean, I've never online dated. I'm not sad about that. Like I commend anybody that puts themselves out there that way because especially around here, I mean, it's like everybody is, you can't like scuttle around if you're on there, everybody knows because there's just like, no, it's a numbers game. There's not enough numbers in this area. It's not populated. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't imagine going on there today. I would never, I have never since I've been here. You're done with it. Tinder is done enough in your life. You're, you're ready to be done with Tinder. You know, what's crazy is, is that I, I hear horror stories about Tinder. And then I also hear amazing stories. Like one of my best friends, they are married now with kids and they met on Tinder. And they're the ones who set me up with my boyfriend now. And like, what a great story. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know Jason Kelsey and Kylie Kelsey met on Tinder. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfect. yeah, no, there are some wins. It's not, Tinder's not the issue. Tinder is like a tool. Somebody told me, you know, like a brick. A brick in um, the right hand can be a foundational block for a very strong house. Or a brick in a hand can be a way to break a window. You know, so it's just one of those things of how you use it. Okay. But enough about this. And again, this is not about anybody but you, Michaela. So you were to the spring, y'all are broken up, but at this point you still don't have other housing. So that can't be fun. No. 
So I didn't have very many options. And I was like, what the heck am I going to do? Because you didn't know anybody, right? Like you literally had just for the whole time you've been here, which is like almost a year or over a year now, Mm -hmm. have just been working and going home and not having much outside of that. So yeah, I mean, rightfully so. I'm just thinking about this Tinder thing. I gotta get it out of my head. <laughs> it was, it was such a slap in the face. Like the day after we break up, an old coworker at the spa texts me, "Just so you know, he's on this." And I'm like, <laughs> "How embarrassing!" Anyways, <laughs> I love this. This is such a classic thing, like that I would do too. Like I'll get four sentences in, and I'll be like, "Wait a minute, I'm not done venting about this." <laughs> I gotta, I'm not over, I'm not mentally over this trauma we just talked about. Okay. But no, seriously. Well, okay. So you're, you don't have a lot of options. No, we're just coexisting in this department because he would not leave. And I I didn't have any other options to go. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to pay out my lease. Sure. That would be a waste of money. And I wanted my security deposit back to go and put on another place. So we took through it through June and just coexisted in this apartment together, which was so toxic. Highly do not recommend. <laughs> Don't do that, people. It was really, really bad. And of course, like crossfire, you know, of just both of us trying to live our lives and arguments all the time. But you know, what a blessing that you did that because you were in the prime position to accept a really generous offer. And that's yes. really, to me, one of the very favorite parts of my story is a, a hero that in a random act of kindness and like brave generosity and common generosity can really change somebody's life. I mean, that's like, to me, when you told me this, that's the biggest thing I got out of this. Wow. So I'm, I want you to tell us about it. There is a client at the spa who was involved in real estate and I had, you know, I just purchased my courses and she was such a frequent client that um, we were even friends on Facebook. So one day I saw her post something looking for an assistant or a buyer's agent. and that was something I never in a million years thought that she would take on because she was so successful and she had two young boys. And mm. so I was kind of picking her brain a little bit, but never wanted to be like, hey, mentor me, please. Um, but I saw this opportunity and I went for it. She ended up hiring someone else, which that was okay because there was a little bit of a, bit of a hesitation with the conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, taking me away from the spa that she goes Was to. Was such a good patron of. Yeah, I get you. But months go by and that girl ended up not working out. And she just kind of checked in with me and was like, hey, how are your classes going? And <laughs> I sent her like a three minute long voice memo just saying, well, you know, my classes are kind of on hold right now because I'm kind of going through this life situation that has taken precedence and I was I just spilled everything to her I was like I don't know where I'm gonna live <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> I love she, it well, let me call you and so she did and we talked for hours and she was like let me make sure it's okay with my husband but we have a guest house on our property and I think it would be really amazing if you moved into guest house and 
you could start training, you know, under me, get your real estate license, be my assistant. She's like, you quit the spa, you know, like this girl isn't really working out as well as I would have liked. And I was like, okay absolutely <laughs> stranger <laughs> I'm telling you though, all the way though back to what I when we're sitting here talking about this like it almost makes me emotional because where would you be if you would have done what nor like what the social norm of just saying like oh they're going and like didn't actually take the moment to be vulnerable and just say, you know, if you're asking how are things going, I'm actually going to tell you because it totally changed your life. Yes. <laughs> like I just a three minute tender and a three minute voice memo. <laughs> yes. So the little things go, go do those <laughs> little things. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I moved in. I, you know, spent every day with her just, seeing how she operates in this business. And that's how I learned everything that I know. And I've had a completely different experience than any, any other first year agent because she produces so much and she does, has so much volume of real estate that I get to see that all day. And that's most amazing. Agents, first year agents don't get to see that. So real estate is one of those lines of work that you learn by doing and you can some like the only way you any avoid mistakes is by being burned almost or having somebody else tell you something because they got burned. Really, I think that's a huge piece of it. And I think that's so amazing. And there's so much value to having somebody mentor through you through that whole process. Like I think you went about it such an intelligent way for what it's worth. And like you said, I think there's a lot of people that just think I just I'm going to hop in and like get help from here or there or whatever. And it's like, it's totally worth the financial investment to actually join forces with somebody that is going to give you value exchange and is going to have um, a, a bigger investment in you. And it's not necessarily just a one-way street. So I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately I did not cut off contact with him <laughs> immediately because that was, difficult um but it, yeah. everyone actually thought that him and I were going to get back together thank gosh we didn't <laughs> but um months down the line once I you know was fully moved in and you know felt like I was in a good spot I had healed you know enough I finally got courage to tell my family and that was way after we had actually ever broken up but I just really had to prepare myself all the questions and all that I told you stuff. Absolutely. You had to be through it and ready to take them on and say, yeah, you told me so, but look what I've made for myself. Yeah. If there's anything that's the common denominator through this, it is your willpower and your tenacity after you get your mind into something. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said a lot, you know, it, probably is pretty common for most people to go back into a comfortable spot, a familiarity, and after a taste of thinking something's going to get better. And it takes a lot of wisdom to know like, nope. And one of the biggest things, and it's for a couple years, I unfortunately had to tell myself this a lot. And it's, 
um, a harsh saying, but I do think it's true. And I don't think this means, I guess it's two parters. The saying is when people show you who they are, believe them, period. And it's like no buts, no exceptions. Like, no, when people show you who they are, believe them. Now, that doesn't mean don't forgive them. That doesn't mean don't pray for them. That doesn't mean harbor anger like that, you know, and resentment. Like, that's only hurting yourself. But it's like you can heal, forgive all those things. But at the end of the day, the reality is you've got to, you've got to believe people. You got to believe them when they show you who they are and not think that it's going to miraculously change. Yeah. I'm a big action speak louder than words person. Like my love language is acts of service. And I've had just a million people who are not blood related to me treat me better than people who are blood related to me. So, <laughs> you know, everyone who has my back the most, it's not because they tell me they have my back it's because right they've shown me and i know that i can call them text them show up on their doorstep any Absolutely. day and my back, so. yeah and i think like you can have a relationship with somebody and essentially i mean this goes back to my big thing about boundaries because you can have a relationship with somebody let it be whatever that relationship is. But it's like, I know I've caught myself being hurt, having hurt feelings over things. And I'm like, when people show you who they are, believe them. Like, why did I think that this was going to turn out differently? So it's just like, if you can't have the relationship and have the boundary, and if you can't have the relationship with the proper expectations, that's when you get hurt. If you can just take care of yourself and at least say, you know, I got to believe them. I got to believe them. They've shown me and I'm going to move forward that way, you know, and that is not an easy thing to do, especially when it's cutting out one more person. And already at that point, at first, when it was just a small circle you had, but since that's so not, I mean, you've built this beautiful life here um, across the country from where you grew up and it's fuller in six months than it was the first like 18 or so that you were here. That was really hard for me because it took me a long time to figure out what my purpose here was uh, without like mm-hmm. moving home to California was never really an option for me. Like I never sat there and actually thought about doing that. Right. And I sat there in bed crying to my, crying to myself, falling asleep at night thinking, why am I here? Like why in the world did God bring me to Paducah, Kentucky after this failed relationship? And, at that point, I was like, I know it's not because of that relationship, but eventually, you know, with this fear of people that I found and this amazing career, I'm like, this, like, this is the purpose. That's why you're here. I really don't, I really don't think I would be able to flourish as much as I have here if I were back in California, because I have, you know, the chaos and the drama of my family growing up. That's a whole other story. <laughs> But I, you know, I think I'm going to reach my highest potential here, not, not over That is amazing. And I just, I love it. Out of that. (laughs) That is just so cool. Man, how you get there through, (laughs) (laughs) through Tinder, 10 swipes, (laughs) a lot, (laughs) some heartbreak, but you're here. I love it, Michaela. Well, thank you so much for sharing 
that story with us. It is, I think, just so powerful to remember and, and to hear others, especially just, I know, like, I, it's a story so different from my own. And I just know I have learned so much even from listening to you and seeing that, like, your bravery through, you know, navigating real estate in a town that you don't know. Like, I know we talked about even that all these coaching classes, like, will tell you, call the people you went to high school with or, you know, all these things. And you're like, yeah, I don't even have as like at first you're like, I don't even have a sphere of influence to call on. And that is so like, you're out there doing the thing. And so people that is like me, I'm talking to myself, they're like work, you know, hustling in my own stomping grounds, like no excuses. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's just so awesome. And, and the fact that you didn't give up, I mean, heck yeah. It's really been a blessing. I mean, to go somewhere new and start completely fresh. I mean, there's just not enough to be said for that. Like I got to create whatever identity and, you know, version of myself here that I wanted because nobody Mm -hmm. knew anything about the prior 18 years of my life and I really didn't start appreciating that until a year and a half ago and I was like this is my chance to start from scratch like don't ruin it (laughs) and it's going pretty well so far that is amazing I love that outlook I was talking with a friend the other day and he was saying something about like you know I've thought about like applying for jobs here or whatever and it was out of state and I mean, why, why don't you, you know, and especially for speaking for people that are in a season of life where they're not having to co- co-decide things either because of relationships or because of children or because of like parents that need them, you know, that they're, if you're in a season of life where you truly look around and like, don't have an excuse for staying and you're not, and you're not you don't feel like you're living with purpose and you're, you're not seeing fulfillment in the same like rinse and repeat, you know, there are a lot of people I think fall in that box and aren't even because it it like, it it is so it's a work. It is so much logistical work. It's scary. And sometimes I think just like, you know, it's crazy. And I hate that you had the emotional toil that you did, but the reality is sometimes I think that if, you can just get yourself to metaphorically just get in the car and start driving across the country. Like you're never going to have it all figured out before you leave, you know? So it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, I mean, I guess when you're there, you're finally forced to figure it out. And it's an intense, um, end of the spectrum, but it's a, it's a, what a very, very, very few people I feel like I know at least would be willing to do. And I'm really glad I got to hear such a cool story from a, in a, in the best way, you're just ordinary, all American girl working (laughs) to figure it out and doing it on her own. You know, it's not like you had all this bucket buckets of money that comfortably got you here or like anything like that. You know, it's not like that, that was something like you had about every barrier you could have. Yeah. Yeah, you're here. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, definitely one of the biggest things I learned from it all is just I, I've always been a big like gut person intuition thing, like trust your mm-hmm. intuition. And 
throughout the whole, you know, first year and a half, it was this mm-hmm. big fight with everyone because they're like, you're throwing your life away. But something in me knew that I had to come here. And I don't think that I thought that he was just amazing. <laughs> like, I really just knew that this is where I was supposed to be. And now, you know, the people in my life understand that, you know, the ones who saw me through the whole journey, but I definitely lost some friends and some family along the way because they just didn't agree. And that that's really sad, but I'll, I'll never let myself <laughs> go through anything like that ever again, you know, let myself be treated the way I was or mm-hmm. a significant other come between me and those relationships. Mm-hmm. But like I said, God uh, had a purpose. It, yeah, he's he's working it through for good. I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Michaela, we talked and you said that you were over having to give this whole story over and over again in your real life. Like, especially, and I think this has been therapeutic for you to like say your piece in a public way and now you're ready to move on. And like, like I call myself your self-help cheerleader, Rachel, um, pushed, <laughs> yes. pushed some ideas onto you about having what's called a proactive boundary. So before I tell you what I've cooked up for you, just if you want to just tell the audience in your own words, what I'm talking about out and then I can tell yes. you. Yes. So this is a really good stepping stone for me. And I'm really glad we're doing this because this is my chance to just kind of put the story out there. It happened so long ago. I just don't think that it really needs to be spoken about much, much more Sure. Um, because I'm in such a new chapter of my life and I'm just really ready to close that one. Very grateful for it. And the fact Mm -hmm. that it got me here, you know, the amount of times where I have to answer the question, Oh, how did you get here from California? Right. And you know, there are a lot of people here who know my story. So I don't want to necessarily give a fake one. And then there'll be two stories floating around out there. Mm. So I'm just kind of looking for a way, you know, to almost dodge those questions. And just because I don't, I don't really want to think about it. You know, it's it's not important (laughs) anymore. A few things. (laughs) One, I love this because one of my other segments, we didn't do it, but it's evolving identity or forever identity. And I think this is a prime example of like you are evolving and this is no longer your identity. Like for a while, you were this girl with this crazy story that moved from California and we're working through this like horrible situation, but you are no longer that is no longer your story and you're evolving. And I'm such a different person. Yes. Like you're just ready to be done. And this is coming from a chronic oversharer. So, and I said this to somebody earlier and I'm like, I mean, yes, I'm a chronic oversharer. Clearly I created a podcast where a lot, large chunk of it is talking about my feelings. So, I mean, you know, on, I guess it's a positive I'm thing. I'm very much a product over I'm, here. Yes. Okay. So I can relate, but you have to remember, and I'm reading, like I mentioned earlier, this is all coming from the book on boundaries. I think like her little subline is like loving the limits that set you free by Melissa Urban. And she talks about setting proactive, what she calls proactive green boundaries. So they're nice, but they are something you can proactively say. So it's not a response to somebody, but it is a way to 
make sure somebody knows this is your limit. And it's like, the reality is very few people are going to push and be so untactful to push you past your limit. And if they do, they kind of look like the jerk. And I think that gives you a, even you're in, in an even better spot to respond a little bit harsher and re reinforce the boundary you have proactively set. So what I told you was like, you need to have an elevator pitch that you literally memorize. Like mm -hmm. this is just what you say. And be done. For me, I know mine was very simple. Like when I quit drinking, I did not want to talk. Like it is accumulation of things I've never officially shared. And it's really, it's, this is funny. I'm like mirroring moments. I want, I, now that I have how you get there, I want to have like a whole thing about it and say my piece and give everybody my thoughts. Cause I think it's all really insightful and like, and it's a, it's a part of who I am now, but I don't necessarily want to get into it with every Joe Schmo that I run into. And so for me, mine's really short. It's just like, if somebody asks me, I say, Oh, I don't drink. That's it. That's all I say. I don't say, oh, I would love to, but, or, oh, I'm not, do you know, not anymore. I'm like, no, you, and then really that is like, there's no gray area. And so people very rarely are like bold enough to be like, oh, why do you not drink? You know? And if they do, then I can just basically like say, oh, I quit drinking, period. I don't know who said it to me, but someone was like, if someone asks you, how'd you get here from California? You, it might've been you. It like, was you me. Should just say a car. Oh no, I didn't say that. I don't think, I don't think I'm I that got here, you know, buy a car or it's like, I'm not that quippy. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, buyers, when they are interested in a the property, they'll ask the listing agent, Oh, why are they selling? They're moving. Right. Like they don't, yeah, they want to sell. Yeah, I know. I'm that person. I would definitely say that too, though. I'm like, I need to know what's like, why? Yeah. But it's hard for me because people, people do push. They're like, yeah, because the there's not a lot of people from California here. But that's why I think if you have it memorized and it's like that part is at least clockwork, you can use up all of your other like mental gymnastics and your other boundary energy for the next part if somebody's wanting to push it. So like what I wrote out for you roughly was, oh, I ended up in Kentucky through a twist of fate. And it first was really rough. And I don't like to talk about it, but I'm so proud of the life I've built now. That's what I, I mean. And it's wow. like, really like it's, um, you know, especially the whole like, oh, I don't want to, I don't talk about it. Or that's not even say, I don't like to talk about it. I don't talk about it. Yes. You know, it's like, period. so I think you need to like, that's your homework. You're going to say, like, figure out your own words for it, practice it, say it in the mirror. And then like, it'll just get to the point where you and especially too, I think the people that you're around that you're learning in this new life that you have that don't maybe know your whole backstory, like you said, clear is kind. They hear you say this over and over and over again. And then they're going to realize like, oh, Michaela really means she doesn't talk about it. It's not that, you know, all the important people in my life know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't owe that to more, anybody. Yeah. And if I have more important people come into my life, I'll tell them. You when know, your that, time is right for you. It's yeah, not about them. Just any random person calling me in like California, how'd you get here? I don't talk about it, but 
I'm doing great today. <laughs> yeah. And when you can say it in a chipper, like, like happy, firm, happy, a little sandwich. Yes. Yep. Sandwich it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, we're going to move to a little bit of a lighter segment. Um, it is a, not one of the normal ones I talk about on the podcast, but I thought in the spirit of Valentine's day being just around the corner, I'm calling it look back on love and cringe. Just me <laughs> because there are things is specific things that reoccur in my mind that I just, shoulder shutter cringe about like that I cannot believe you know the whole oh, that yeah. I'm like why did I think that that was cute oh my gosh so the one specifically that comes to mind and this is romance related is the t-shirts the the constant craft t-shirts that me and my friend group from high school would make that had our boyfriend's names on the back and like the big number in the front and the back. So good. Oh my gosh. Did you really have a real high school experience if you didn't do that? <laughs> right. I, well, and I was like, by the time I had a boyfriend that I could make a shirt for, I think I was like, had some pinup energy for like needing, like I'd been watching my friends do this for a couple years. And I was like, oh, now is finally my moment to participate. And we're going to sign. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. Some FOMO maybe played into it, but, and then I, my mom, she is a waste. What is the saying? Waste none, want none. Like no, she, I think that's how it goes. She has taken these old t-shirts with these boys names on the back and cut them up to use them as like rags in her house so instead of like dusting with a rag she washes she just like cuts a little strip out of, of it dust and then throws it away so when i was like cleaning out her house for her to move i would i'm like what why is this shirt familiar <laughs> oh but then the extra irony is that 28 year old rachel is watching taylor swift have a designer personally handmade crafted jersey jacket and i'm like she is the coolest thing ever if she wasn't already the coolest person in the whole world now she is wearing travis's kelsey's number as a jacket and i like it is just like you know, making the football season for me. And so then I think, okay, you know what? Of course, when Taylor Swift does it, it's cute. 15-year-old Rachel, I'm going to give her crap. But Taylor Swift, I'm going to gawk at it. So, you know, double standard there. <laughs> that designer, like, signed a contract with the NFL. I saw that. I'm so excited for her. Like, she's just going to be making merch, you know, for all these... <sighs> players and that's just like so great because you made it jacket for taylor Swift like that it's amazing yeah oh so my look back on love and cringe <laughs> i mean all of it is cringe quite literally all of it my favorite one is your last one yeah so sophomore year of high school i had a really ugly homecoming <laughs> I was just scrolling, probably on like Windsor or Lulu's or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this dress looked phenomenal on the model. 
you know, but this is sophomore year of high school. Bodies are changing. You know, we don't really know what, what our style is yet. Um, we're looking up to, you know, the seniors and juniors trying to figure out what's cool. And I thought this was just going to look great. And honestly, at the time, I really do think I thought it looked great. But it was the most unflattering dress ever. And I don't know what happened to it. I hope it's burning in a hole somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the homecoming pictures, we used to do, I mean, full-blown photo shoots. Like, groups of eight of us. Like, it was a whole whole deal. Like, and I have so much respect and admiration for all of our parents that just smiled and like, let us do it because I don't know if I'm going to have enough cooth if like I become a parent to not mock my children. Like I think back, you know, about like, we just are taking it all so seriously. I cannot believe somebody did not roast us. Like, I just, it's all so much. It is. Yes. Some things never change. It is. And if anything, I think it's more intense because people have more access to like internet ideas. We just had to flip through magazines, you (laughs) know, like, um, I was like looking at 17 and like, you know, um, so gosh, some, I do love that. Yes, you're right. Some of, and both of our look back on love and cringes, they are still existing. So find comfort in the fact that in another 15 years, people that are 15 are also going to look back <laughs> on love and cringe, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. I want to go and I have to tell her all the time, I'm like, don't do that. Don't wear that. Like, you won't like it in five years. Don't know. <laughs> yes. I'm that friend that you're not, you don't need to ask me. If you don't really want to know, because, and I'll, I can say this because Chad does not listen to this podcast. And so he'll never know this story. I would say this to his face. <laughs> he like will call me before a big meeting. Like I'm talking three minutes before I'll be like, does this look okay? And I'm like, it's three minutes before you're supposed to walk to this dinner. Like what if, like you are setting me up to be the bad guy. What am I supposed to say? Like, no, it looks bad. You're wrinkly. Like, cause he can't do anything about it, but it takes me so much willpower to be like, yeah, it looks good because it doesn't look bad. But like, also if I had a what ability to fix it, I, I would. So I'm like, don't ask me stuff and put me in this corner to like, you know, to lie. Because yes. if not, then you stress him out to the point where he's sitting there and he's like, I look <laughs> Yes, exactly. That's what, yes. That's, yes, he's trying to take me mirror selfies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that shirt is so, like internally, I'm like, that shirt is so wrinkly. Oh, but he's on this work trip and I feel like, you know, and this is that, this is one of my love languages. Like I would love if he would t- say, Rachel, I've got these three things going up on my work trip. Will you fix it? I would say, yes, I would love to fix it. I would be honored to fix it. I would iron, I would be the housewife, Rachel, getting everything fixed in like a little plastic baggie. But no, he's not, he's not, th- no. He instead is just shoving crap in his bag and then is like, pulls it out and like, that'll do. But then I'm going to call Rachel 
Yes. It's like 20 seconds before he walks out the door. He's finally like, Oh, do I look okay? I should ask my like fashion forward wife. No, he doesn't, you know, that's I'm like, so yeah, I'm not that friend for the record. If you don't, if you want affirmation, I need to hear that. We talked about that the other day. Tell me what you need. Like, Hey, I'm worried about this, but I really like it. Does it look good? And then I'll be like, yeah, unless it looks really, really bad. But you know, if I just know, I really, you really need affirmation, not an honest opinion. Yeah. If you like it, but you think every, everyone else is going to think it looks bad, but you want to wear it, you wear it. <laughs> yes. I love it. Okay. Our next segment is a regular on the show, release or recommit. It's a segment where we're going to discuss something that we're either releasing because it doesn't align anymore. We're letting it go or we're going to recommit to it and learn to and think about, I guess, ways that we are going to actionably put it into place in our lives. So I'm recommitting this week if you want to hear mine first. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So I have reading all of my nonfiction book stack on my 24 for 2024 list, but I know, already know that like that's not going to be enough to actually get me to recommit to like reading nonfiction, which I have a nonfiction in my life already. Like, for instance, I, and this is an update for anybody who cares. One of my other things on my list was that I wanted to start every day with reading my Bible before I read or listened to anything else. So it may be that like for 30 minutes, I don't read or listen to anything. You know, it may be that I have to like get my mind right. So it's not necessarily that I'm doing it right away, but like I was bad about listening to a podcast instead of like listening to that when I was getting ready or immediately diving into emails on my phone, that kind of stuff. I have had great success with that. And I'm really proud of that. And it's all because of the Bible recap plan. Um, it's a free plan online. Anybody that's interested in reading the Bible through front to cover, it's a chronological plan. It has changed the game on me getting into my Bible every day. Like I'm yeah, it is it's chronological. And so to me, and like it's guided, it has some, like it has a YouTube that goes with it every, a YouTube video that goes with a reading every day that kind of like summarizes, give you some context, point out, points at things out. Yeah. It's just so far really hitting, hitting home. I know that putting the read nonfiction on my list is just not going to be enough. So I want to recommit to really actually making this happen by, I love a paper list. So, cause I noticed in my office, I know I don't do my paper planner anymore, but I'm, I'm here for the paper list. I've got a stack in my office. I have a stack in my office downstairs. I have like three on my nightstand. I've, I forget how many I have squirreled away that I've collected over the last couple of years that I would love to make time to read. So I want to make a list. So I know every like what all I've got. Oh yeah. And I have some on audible. So I think I need them everywhere so I can say, okay, this is what I'm doing next. And then ha have a enjoy strike through. But I have been, whenever I have longer road time, strike through. I like a highlighter more than a strike. Personally, yeah. I'm a highlighter girl. Oh I'm yeah, I love a highlighter. I don't see that anymore. 
Sharpie. <laughs> oh, see, I want to see it. I want to be able to be like, oh yeah, this is what I did. Highlight. No, I get <laughs> but nonetheless, I, and even today I recommitted to this by, if I have like a longer drive time, instead of throwing on a podcast, which I feel like I'm better at listening at while I'm doing the dishes or putting on my, you know, makeup or fixing my hair, I am going to audible and listening to like right now I'm listening to my, the book on boundaries by Melissa Urban on audible. So yay, Rachel recommitting. Go, Rachel, recommit. <laughs> okay, what do you got, Michaela? Okay, so I'm in this season of just like trying trying to find balance in my life because I have a lot of goals this year. And mm -hmm. of course, the major one is real estate. Like I really want to hit my volume goals. Um, but I also okay. do not want to like work my life away because I also, you know, find myself kind of falling into habit of doing that and being like, oh, you haven't taken a single minute for yourself. And just to keep myself grounded and, you know, have some more sanity, take care of myself. I know that there's three things that will help me do that. And that is church, okay. Al-Anon, and my social life. Mm -hmm. And all of those, I think, have equal priority. The social life part, I... I've kind of got that box checked. <laughs> There's a yeah. lot of special things going on throughout the year, but church and Al-Anon, for anybody who doesn't know what Al-Anon is, you might've heard of AA. So alcoholics, you know, go to these AA meetings to seek help with the disease. Al-Anon is the same thing, but for the family members. So kind of the idea is, is that the meetings are at the same time and the alcoholic will go to AA and the family members oh. go to Al-Anon. Very cool. And there you just kind of, you kind of just understand your situation in the chaos because we all, we all play a role and um, you find better ways of, of dealing with that chaos and um, mm -hmm. just kind of making peace with it. And it, I don't know exactly what the magic is, but it works. I mean, it, it only, <laughs> it not only helps me with the alcoholism, you know, around me and in my life, but in like all other aspects of my life, it's therapy Absolutely. and counseling and you know, yeah. same thing as church. Like I just find myself so much more present and in tune with myself and understanding, you know, everything that goes on up here and everything going on with my body and things like that when I go to church now and on. So that yeah, we are called to be a body of believers. So yeah, there, are, there's power in, in churches, the people, this Al-Anon makes me think of, I was having this conversation with one of my, my, well, not even one of my, my best childhood friend. And we live very different lives, like, and have been in different seasons for years now, but have been able to stay in touch and have stayed committed to being each other's person. And it's like, we can, we talked about how there is something, and I think this is the same thing with having like a confidant and a therapist of, there is something special about being able to go to somebody that like knows you so intrinsically or knows the situation you're in so intrinsically that you don't have to spend all this energy giving context 
or like catching somebody up to speed. And I feel like that's probably the same way of it's like, where if you tried to unpack with me, mm-hmm. being a relative for somebody with alcoholism, I would have a tough time relating. You would probably end up spending a lot of time trying to give me context or explaining versus like, you know, you walk there and it's like, you can just cut to the chase of things. And you know, like there's not judgment or you're not having to provide context or like, you're not going to have to protect these people that are struggling with this disease because you know that they also have somebody that they care about that is, that is fighting this fight, you know? And so it's just like, there's, I think there's something special about those situations and it can renew you yeah, because you don't have to spend all this energy just trying to make it make sense. It's like, Nope, I don't need that context. Like, Uh, You just get to it. And everybody in there has gone through the same thing that I've gone through just in their own way. And so they're the most understanding people, you know, the least amount of judgment. I remember my first meeting ever, I went in there and just bawled my eyes out. And I had no idea how much I needed that until I did, because it was really just the safest space. And I can do walk in there and I talk about, you know, other things in my life that are just kind of chaos, not related to alcohol. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's a really great atmosphere and it's been really, really helpful for me. So if there's anybody, you know, out there needing something like that, you just, just go on a online and search up, you know, your nearest Al-Anon meeting. I love that. I think that that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think there are, there's this stigma I think about that we're supposed to have it all together and that there's like no real place to not be okay. And like, you know, uh, my pastor at church, pastor Dustin says, you know, it's, uh, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. But unless we admit we're not okay, there can't be people that help us figure out and point us into the things that will make us better. Yeah. I love that. Isolation. Has been Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but isolation has been so much like that used to be such a coping factor for me. And mm-hmm. I'm really, really trying to get away from that. So like if I feel something so deeply, no matter how crazy I feel, other people are going to think about it. Like I just say it and I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. just saying this like, because it just means so much to me. It might not mean anything to you. And then usually yeah. it does. You know, people are usually caring, especially if it's the ones who love me and support me. They're usually yeah. like, Michaela, you're not crazy. Like, you should have just said that. <laughs> so there's freedom, freedom and vulnerability for sure. So good. Well, we're going to wrap this up with a self-care tip of the week. So it can be practical, whimsical. It can be one time. It can be all the time. Michaela, do you want to go first? Sure. I mean, I really think Let me hear it. Do, do whatever works best for you. Everybody has their habits. I know you're a big habit person. I'm trying to get into my habits <laughs> this year. Like I said, I want to be more present. A big part of that is getting off the devices for me because Mm -hmm. I work on this all day long and right you know connection and relationships I feel like build so much better when you're off of that so I I try to go as much paper as I can which means I've got this bad boy (laughs) that I live and breathe by holding up her paper planner yes my paper planner I, I couldn't live without it and 
Goodness, there's so many out there. Like, just find whichever one works best for you. And if you're yeah. if you're a mobile planner type of person, great, good for you. I wish I could do that, but I really can't because mobile planners, there's so much user error, like <laughs> risk. <laughs> like, what if you create an event and you put it on the wrong day? And it's no longer, you know. I definitely, when I got really busy last summer. I don't know what it was. It was all during the summer, but it was, and I know I was, I was busy. I guess that's why I said I was really busy, but I got like, it was three things in a row I had down wrong. Gosh. I mean, one day I showed up at the totally wrong time, totally wrong day. Yeah. Showed up. They were like, no, we have you down next week or two days from now. I was like, Oh, and then the other time I showed up to the, I thought I was going to be late to the Paducah Board of Realtor meeting because in true Rachel fashion, I was using GPS, but somehow GPSed myself to the wrong place. Yes, I and then I showed, so then I thought I was, I ran and thought I was going to be late. I got there at like, I think 11, it didn't start till 1145. So I was like, okay, well, I guess at least I'm not late, but I had it, I guess I had it down wrong or mentally wrong. Yeah. I mean, um, one thing I want to challenge you on is set a little bit more of a detailed metric for you to manage your social media or your, it's not your social media, your device use. Yeah. Like, don't just say you want to be on it less. Like try to figure out, it's like, okay, I'm not going to pick up my phone an hour before bedtime or if, if that is totally, that is, um, very, very, very personalized. So I, you know, there's a million ways to do that. So just think of like one that you think that you, or, or try one and then try one, a different one the next week. Yeah. Okay. So my self-care tip is lean into your designated duplicates, like get your go-tos and have them placed all the places where you spend time. So for me, I think about my chapstick, a set of headphones, because I never want to hold a phone up to my ear. I'm speaker phone or headphones or bust. Like you will hardly ever see me actually with a phone. Yeah, I'm speaker. Oh, I I love a speaker phone. I kind of get echoey in some places. So like I even want, I have AirPods, but I have, I mean, truly real, like these like corded earphones at both like my desk at home and at my office. And then like I have a CarMax at my desk in my bathroom. It by my nightstand in my car, like, and I try to remember if I just don't move those things, I'll always have them where I need them. So like it, the Carmex is the big one. Like I bought five and I thought, do I really need to buy five all at once? But now I have them squirreled away everywhere I need them. And I'm like, I'm so glad because then it, the, the hard part is just remembering put it exactly where I found it. Like trust Rachel that she has them other places too. So you can just put it back. So that's mine. My chargers too. I'm big on like chargers that need to be everywhere. <laughs> yes. Because if I unplug it. Yes. Yes. Well, and they, Apple really jacked me up when they changed these dang chargers to C's. Do you have the iPhone 15? I don't know. I know the one I got has the, the thing that is not a USB. It's a C now. That I did have that, yes, and it makes me mad. That's why I'm like, it's you know jacking me up. But I'll, I guess I'll, I will I will persevere. Don't worry about me, friends. Well, Michaela, thank you so much for your time. I'm Thanks so appreciative of you joining you. us on how you get there, and loved hearing how you got here. 
Yes, it, it was a great journey and I'm glad to be where I'm at now. So I love thank it you for having me here. You're so welcome. Thank you for joining me this week. I hope this episode met you where you were at and it's given you your own clarity on steps forward for how you get there. Wherever and whatever that is, it is important and your dreams matter. I would love to hear what you think of this episode and how you get there. You can connect with me personally via email at howyougetthere at gmail.com or you can find me at Rach Ross Denson on Instagram, TikTok, and all other social media platforms. If you love how you get there, I have a favor to ask. Will you share this episode with a friend and take a few seconds to follow, rate, and review how you get there wherever you listen to your podcast? Please know you are playing a part in making my dream come to life. And for that, I'm so grateful. Don't forget, if where you want to go in the future involves a home loan, I would love to help you. Find me on Instagram at Rachel Denson underscore MLO to learn all about mortgages from my videos or use the link in the bio to schedule a one-on-one consultation with me. I hope to see you back here next week where we'll keep talking all about how you get there.